This is a Rooster Teeth production. Would you change your life choices if you knew your karma would follow you even after death? Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we investigate all things morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly in nature. And we are back with our second season right now. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Wasami. When Ryan Haymans was four years old, he began experiencing chilling nightmares in his Oklahoma home. Screaming and crying in the middle of the night, Ryan would wake up claiming that he lived in Hollywood and his heart had exploded. At first, Ryan's parents assumed his nightmares were somewhat normal. What kid doesn't have nightmares? Nor were they bothered by certain strange comments Ryan would make, rambles about a Hollywood lifestyle, things his parents assumed were the product of his childlike imagination. I often ramble about my Hollywood lifestyle, and everyone assumes it's part of my childlike imagination. It wasn't until Ryan made one specific comment that his mother's outlook changed. Quote, Mom, I have something to tell you, he said. I used to be somebody else. Okay, so red light here because this is a pretty alarming thing to hear your four-year-old say. And it prompted Ryan's mom, Cindy, to start doing some investigating. Ryan had spoken about having a house with a swimming pool in California, living in a street with rocks in the name, and having three sons. Cindy began to help Ryan gather information, looking through local library books about life and history in Hollywood, One day they happened upon a photo that Cindy says changed everything. This is creepy. The photo was a still shot from the 1932 film Night After Night. Ryan pointed to a man and said, that's me. That's who I was. The man in the photo was Marty Martin, an extra in the film with no speaking lines. After many talks with researchers, doctors, and Marty Martin's living relatives, it was revealed by Marty's daughter that 55 of the claims Ryan had made were true. And Ryan actually flew out with his family to Los Angeles to meet with Marty's daughter, who was eight years old when her father had died. And Marty Martin, which, side note here, to name your kid Marty Martin, that's a choice. It's an absolute choice. (laughs) (laughs) Marty Martin, when he was alive, was a movie extra that later became a powerful Hollywood agent before his death in 1964. Like Ryan's claims, Marty was a traveler, danced on Broadway, and lived at 825 North Roxbury Drive, remember the rocks in the name, in Beverly Hills. Fast forward to present day, Ryan, now a teenager, lives a normal life and since his incidents as a young child has not come forward with any new memories of Marty. As for his mother, Cindy, prior to Ryan's experiences, Cindy had never given much thought to the concept of reincarnation. However, her son's inexplicable retellings have given her a new perspective on the concept. Yes, and Ryan's story is fairly well known to people that know this kind of research, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. It's been covered across a, a plethora of mediums. Mm-hmm. But Ryan isn't the only child who has experienced this phenomenon or claimed to. Thousands of other children have reported similar memories that can't easily be explained. So this is a segue that brings us to our topic today, which is one that I know my pal JV here has been very interested and excited to cover. So I'm excited too. (laughs) Today we are covering reincarnation, also known as rebirth or transmigration. 
And while reincarnation is a cornerstone of many religions, which we'll talk about in more detail, we're also going to examine how modern day cultures interpret this belief versus the scientific viewpoint. Uh, Jess, why don't you kick it off with the basics? Yes. Reincarnation is the belief that the soul takes on another form after bodily death. Depending on tradition, this form can be you know, an animal, human, plant, or other life forms. Reincarnation as an afterlife can be contradictory to other notions of the hereafter, for example, heaven. The word reincarnate comes from the Latin root re, meaning again, and incarnare, meaning to make flesh. That's so cool. That's such a cool translation for that word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like super literal, but it also sounds really kind of like badass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so like a lot of like Western religions like Catholicism probably aren't going to be that jazzed about the notion of reincarnation because like you said, Jess, it defies the idea of heaven. Yep, 100%. Um, In India, the first mentionings of reincarnation are in the Upanishads, which are Hindu scriptures written in Sanskrit. And some also believe that Greek philosophers such as Plato, Socrates, or Pythagoras, they integrated reincarnation into their teachings, if you look closely. Some Western religions, or sects thereof, tend to denounce reincarnation. Islam, Christianity, Judaism notably— With the exception of Orthodox Jews, these religions have their own beliefs and views on what happens to the soul after death. However, Eastern religions such as Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, and Jainism center reincarnation at the very core of their belief structures. Yes, it's also important to note that while these groups share belief commonalities, they also do in the minutia disagree on the rules of reincarnation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for example... Hindus believe that all life goes through a cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth, known as samsara. And all living beings have a spirit or soul called an atman that moves through the cycle of death. So rebirthing into any living form, you name it, plants, animal, people. And how you behave in life, your karma, dictates the quality and comfort of your next life. I'm sure you have heard the phrase, oh, well, karma's a bitch. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I mean, what other phrases are there out there with dealing with karma? Like, you know, it's kind of where it comes from. (laughs) Yeah, I think about karma a lot. And uh, I just think about it in terms of like, and this is the worst way to think. And James, my husband, he gets on my case for this a lot. But if really, really good things are happening to me, I'll think, I don't have this much good karma. (laughs) <laughs> Something the bottom's gonna fall out on this. <laughs> I don't have this much good karma built up. No, a hundred percent. The whole like, yeah, what goes around comes around. And there have been times where if I'm going through something like that, I'm going through like a hard time. Sometimes I'm like, is this? Did I do someone yeah. wrong? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, what's yeah. going on? What was your Hollywood life like? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then I'm just like, oh, life's just unfair, or I just need to work harder, or you know, just. Shit happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shit happens is the, yep. the, should be the motto for karma. A hundred percent. And just the overall last two years of this world. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah. But I do like how a lot of these religions think about karma conceptually. Same. Totally. Yeah. Totally. The ultimate goal in Hinduism is to reach moksha, which is liberation from the samsara cycle. It can only be achieved once you've been reborn many times and along the way accumulated enough karma to separate from the material world and gain ultimate knowledge. Once an atman is ready to be free from samsara, they will achieve moksha and rejoin the brahman, which is basically God. 
Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know. I think that's a pretty cool way to think about life. Like keep, keep doing well and you will be free from this cycle. I think about this a lot too, because, you know, just doing good in life. um, And there's that whole, you know, huge conversation of, are we born good or bad? Mm -hmm. And do we naturally innately believe or just like when something bad happens, do we just naturally feel like, oh, that's an icky feeling because it's just naturally the way it is? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we don't want to like killing somebody or hurting somebody's feelings. I don't know. I don't I I love that conversation. <laughs> I do, but, too. And I think a lot about people that do good and the motivation for doing good, because I do mm-hmm. think that if you're just doing good things for other people and being a good person in life because you think you'll get to heaven or this good karma will accumulate for a reason. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a good motivation, personally. Totally. I don't either. Yeah. I think you should pull from a place of compassion that you just want to do good things for other people because it's the right thing to do. And you would want that done for yourself. But Agreed. And then, (laughs) you know, then I feel like looking at it from a science perspective, when you do good things, at least for me, you know, there's like dopamine that's released. Yeah. yeah, You feel good. And that's a great feeling too. I agree. I never thought of it that way, Jess, but yeah, Yeah, it's weird. I mean, (laughs) Hey, you know, but then somebody could easily say, Oh, well, when I, you know, this, we'd be spiraling right now, but someone could be like, Oh, well, when I chop people in a bunch of pieces, my dopamine gets released. So I'm like, all (laughs) right. Yeah. 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 Rewind, (laughs) rewind. (laughs) But I, I like the way that Hinduism thinks about it because they think about it as you build up this good karma, it's going to pay off. And that's why death in Hinduism actually calls for a celebration rather than mourning. And it's also why Hindus are cremated since it allows for the unrestricted release of Atman, mm-hmm. which is, oh, I love that. I love that conceptually. I don't know yeah. why I said it like that conceptually. I love that conceptually. <laughs> I've never heard you <laughs> I know. talk like I that. Love it. Conceptually, <laughs> I love that idea. Um, yeah, Buddhism shares a lot of similarities, except Buddhists desire to escape the cycle of samsara and achieve nirvana, aka enlightenment. You're probably familiar with Gautama Buddha, the founder of Buddhism, who taught that once nirvana is achieved, the soul will be revealed to the four noble truths and see the world as it truly is. Oh, man. That'd be, that'd be the day. (laughs) Like Hinduism, the cycle of samsara is determined by the soul's karma. Depending on the karma of the previous life, the soul has the potential to reincarnate as ghosts, demigods, or gods, as well as animals or humans. If you were to be reincarnated as an animal, what would you pick, Elise? Okay, well, first of all, Jess, that's a wrong (laughs) question because I would definitely be reincarnated as a ghost. My bad. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I you should have seen the way that my eyes lit, as you were reading through those options. My eyes lit up. God, <laughs> and you would come and haunt me. I know it. 100%, I love it. Percent. Yes. Percent. I can't believe when we told Ryan's story, we didn't mm-hmm. talk about little baby baby Jessica's Elise. Can't believe it. <laughs> Call back. Call who back. Uh, who will be your reborn child that has all the memories? Well, it's going to be right. your child. That's me with the memories <laughs> of doing this podcast with you. <laughs> Christ, help me. <laughs> but if you had to be an animal, I'm just curious. Oh, what would you pick? Just curious. Um, I have always been partial to elephants because I think elephants are these like gentle creatures that they have certain pack and herd mentalities that I think are very sweet. And uh, there's also this degree of like these gentle giants aspect, which I think is sweet. Same. But if, I love realistically, it. what I'm probably going to get is something like a possum. 
<laughs> you know? Stop it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I. Well, no, I would hope you'd be an elephant. I hope you come back what Thank you want to be. Um, I, I, I am right there with you. It'd be either an elephant or a dolphin just so I can like hump things. They just love humping. Oh, <laughs> did you know that? Dolphins love to hump. I did know that. Do you know the story about the dolphin that fell in love with its trainer and then killed itself? Yes, I do know that. Gosh, story. that's going to be you. No, <laughs> you, you'll end up in a situation where you think you're going to be reincarnated as this dolphin that's in the ocean and can hump whenever, wherever it wants, but you're going to get snatched by some researchers, get put in a laboratory tank, have God. nothing to hump. You're going to beat yourself. Oh my God. This podcast has derailed. I'm sorry. Oh, this is great. Oh, geez. okay. And you're uh, right. Yeah. That is going to happen to me. Okay. Well, I do think that Buddhists have the right idea here because I appreciate all these options. And if you reincarnate as a human, though, in Buddhism, that is your goal ideal scenario. Okay, because reincarnating as a human is seen as this rare opportunity to work toward escaping samsara. And Sikhs also believe that reincarnating as a human is the best outcome. However, they claim that there are 8.4 million different possible life outcomes that you have to experience before you can escape the cycle of samsara. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot of Hollywood lifetimes. (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah. To those who practice Jainism, reincarnation is also determined by karma, and that karma's main influence is how you treat other living things. This means adhering to a strict code of nonviolence called ahimsu. In Jainism, the soul goes through endless rebirth until you build enough good karma and can be liberated, reaching deliverance. Not to be confused with the movie Deliverance, which has no karma involved uh, for those who have seen it now deliverance is different from enlightenment it occurs when karma loses all effect on the soul good or bad so while eastern religions all have different beliefs about what happens after reincarnation rebirth is a shared theme but no one can agree on what happens in the interim time where a soul passes from one earthly form to another and this, this is, is fascinating yeah, i was just gonna say this is fascinating <laughs> I know. to me too <laughs> And I love it. Yeah, there's disagreement about how long it takes for a soul to reincarnate. Some say it's immediate, while others say it depends on karma, or even that the soul will take on a new body when it feels ready, which can potentially take centuries. And Jess, I, I was like telling my mom that we were doing this topic for the episode, and she was like, well, how do you account for like population growth? And then <laughs> mm. I was like, uh, mm. next topic. <laughs> Yep. But, Hi, mom. Yeah, it's heady. But but yeah, so I love this concept that, you know, some religions say like, well, it's an immediate thing. Some say it could be eons before you are reincarnated in a new mm-hmm. form. Yeah. And even whether you believe in this or you don't, like this is fascinating just to even think about or learn about. And, you know, if I had a past life, I, I think I've told you this before. I, um, I was definitely somewhere in the UK during, I don't know, maybe anywhere from the 1400s to the 1600s. And I lived on a farm with just my father. My mother wasn't in the picture. I have no idea. Um, and I just lived on a farm with my father. Um, wait, wait where, the- where are you getting this from? So this is super strange. And um, the very first time I, I've been obsessed with the UK for as long as I can remember, ever since I was a child. And I don't know why. It was just like obsessed. It started off with England. Maybe I read a book as a kid and I'm like, oh, I love castles, which is obviously very something that could 
be real. And then um, I remember when I was in New York, where I was actually born, my dad was driving me around somewhere back when I was in high school. And I was sitting in the back seat, and this weird image just popped into my head. And um, it was an image of me, what, what I thought was myself, um, wearing the best way I can describe it is like at that time, peasant clothes, <laughs> like, like very dark cl- clothes, drab, just, you know, and I was holding a basket on my hip and I was in the breezeway between a little cottage and like a shed and there were flowers and it was just like on a farm. And I saw a man in the distance who was balding, uh, but still had hair on the sides. And for some reason I just knew that was my dad. And then I, uh, then I that snapped out of it and was like, what was that? Oh, <laughs> So, yeah. And I was like, if that was a, a past life little snippet, this makes sense as to why I love the UK and then you so thought, much and want to go there. Yeah, you thought only possible explanation. That man must have been my dad. Yeah, because I think he was too unattractive to be my partner. Mm-hmm, at least let's mm-hmm. just keep I understand. it understand. Hey, you're a smoke show. Okay. <laughs> Noah goes... Dude, You've this 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 episode's I love it. It, it is, is it goofy. is definitely <laughs> off the rails, and I love well, I love that you have those images, and I I don't even know what I would have been in a past life. Probably not a human. Honestly, just knowing who you are and the things that come out of your mouth, I agree. I don't think you would have been a human. I don't know what you would have been in your past life. Elise. Vampire. Maybe. Yeah, some sort of like creature. Just a creature. Oh my god, at least I was gonna say so. I was like a creature of some sort, like a majestic. I don't know. Just like a warden of the night. Yep. Yep. Well, yes. <laughs> we do have to rein this podcast in because it is we getting do. off the rails, and we are going to talk about how numerologists interpret reincarnation. But first, thank you to our sponsors because they are the only thing right now that is keeping us grounded, and we're about to hear a word from them. Yes, in the summer, I like to hop on my bike, go for a little jaunt, and sometimes even bike to dinner. How fun. It, it is, <laughs> except sometimes I don't save enough for the ride back. That's a Gattaca reference. The official movie of this podcast, <laughs> Gattaca. Uh-huh. So what did you do? Well, I struggle. I struggle and my tummy is full of delicious food as I pedal for my little life, you know, um, but not anymore because finally there's an e-bike for me, for you, for everyone. It's electric e-bikes. Electric e-bikes start at $7.99, and it's easy to see why they are the fastest-growing e-bike company in the U.S. They're affordable, customizable, ship-free, and fully assembled. And these puppies fold in half. You don't need a bike rack or truck if you want to go out to the beach and ride down the trail, or maybe the mountains. They're good on any terrain, be it sand or snow. So leave the car at home, save on gas, we know gas prices are through the roof mm-hmm. right now, and save the planet when you explore and commute on electric bikes. Explore your own city or town with more ease going somewhere you would have never taken a bike. Mm-hmm. I love mine, and they are so cool, and like I mentioned, they fold up so easily, so easy to move around and uh, find a nice little spot if you don't have a full bike rack in your garage to store it. When I have an electric e-bike, I can take longer, more ambitious trips that are not just a dream. They're a reality. I can go a little bit farther than I would have on a normal Mm -hmm. bike. And again, just to reiterate, they fold up and are so easy to store. Mm -hmm. Like thinking of a folding bike is fascinating. But they're sturdy. Like that's the thing is just because they fold doesn't mean they're flimsy. They're durable and adjustable. 
Yes, the battery is hidden away and there's an LCD display featuring speed, range, and adjustable power level, and it comes pre-charged so you can get moving immediately. They cover up to 45 miles at up to 28 miles per hour on just a four to six hour charge. Different bike models and accessories provide optimal comfort, storage, and safety. So join the affordable e-bike revolution. Go to electricebikes.com and use code 30MM30MM to get a free foldable mountable bike lock with any bike purchase. That's a free bike lock when you use code 30MM30MM at L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-E-S.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Burnout is at an all-time high right now, for myself included. I'm living through this life. I'm living through past lives. <laughs> it's just like, I don't need, I have the burnout of this life and like 30 others. It's exhausting. I am right there with you. Whether it's from your past lives or it's working too much, not taking care of ourselves, overextending ourselves in different ways, or simply not practicing healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I know we both suffer from burnout, Jess, and the irritability, fatigue, and lack of motivation that can come with it. And sometimes you can be burnt out without even knowing it. Yes. And that's where better help comes in. It's online therapy to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with somebody can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Mm-hmm. I personally go to therapy. Um, I love it. It's been the best thing for me. And I, my therapist tells me things and tells me to like look at situations that I'm struggling with in a completely new perspective. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to pay someone to listen to your problems rather than dumping them on friends or family. It is. And like we talked about, everybody's going through a lot right now. Um, Not even right now, but just like in general, you know, and making sure that everybody, your friends and family do have the capacity uh, to hear you. And sometimes they don't. And BetterHelp really is. It's It's also a nice third perspective situation. Somebody that doesn't know you or your friends, and you can just talk to that person about anything. Um, but BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash 30mm30mm. That's betterhelp.com slash 30mm. Now back to the show. We should also mention numerology and how that comes into reincarnation. Numerologists, those who study numbers, will also integrate ideas of reincarnation into their belief system about life and the afterlife. Oh my gosh, Jess, we finally did it. We managed to incorporate math, (laughs) your secret or maybe not so secret greatest fear into our show about morbidity. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I'm so glad it's here. It's a, it found me. It always finds yeah. me. <laughs> it just always does. <laughs> yeah. And and it might be a little weird to be to think, how do numbers directly factor into reincarnation? So allow us in, to introduce you to the concept of life path numbers. According to numerology, one's life path number is determined by the digits in your birthday. This number not only indicates how many lives you've lived, aka how many times you've been reincarnated, but also informs your personality traits, relationships, life's purpose, and even your future. So like thinking the way of a zodiac sign, how you can go look up your horoscope. Mm-hmm. Here's how to calculate your life path number. Okay, Jessica, you can do this. <laughs> Step one, 
Add every digit in your birthday, broken down individually, and keep adding every singular number until you receive one final number. For example, so if your birthday is November 3rd, 1989, you would add 1 plus 1 plus 3 plus 1 plus 9 plus 8 plus 9. This equals 32. You would then add 3 plus 2 together, so your life path number would be 5. And then it gets even more mystical because if you receive an 11, 22, or 33, you don't add those together. Those numbers are considered master numbers that hint at more universal dynamics at play. So each number is assigned different traits and qualities that allegedly define and guide you. I did the calculation for us, Jess, and we both are life path number five. I love that we're both yeah. <laughs> five. I mean, that's just like a match made in heaven. Which is a problem. <laughs> but then also reading our description, I'm like, oh, this makes absolute sense. And this is okay. what, what we get as number five. Our destiny and our challenges revolve around freedom, adventure, independence, happiness. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I- Cool. Makes sense. Called the freedom seeker, the number five represents the five senses, five fingers on each hand, the right and left side of the body, as well as curiosity and choices for the future. Mm -hmm. We're social by nature and the perfect Mm -hmm. career for fives is anything that stimulates their mind and creativity, which also would give them a chance to try something new every day. There were some things about the five one that was like, they're risk takers, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I am a calculated risk taker. I could say that Mm -hmm. for sure. Because trust me, if I really was a risk taker, I don't, I might be dead. Yeah. (laughs) So who knows? But I definitely think the creativity aspect of this, you know, it's Mm -hmm. the same thing with horoscopes where people, they like find, they go, they read it and they go, oh yeah, that fits me. But because you're finding ways for it to fit you. I'm sure. Uh, oh, for uh, sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Again, like this is a lot of this stuff, you know, whether you believe it or not, is definitely just like fun to talk about, think about. Uh, and it's fascinating. But along with the life path number, some numerologists believe in the 13 lives theory. This theory states that souls must pass through 13 lives to achieve enlightenment. However, not tied to any religion, the 13 lives theory has no definite origins or legitimate information. It is widely theorized on Facebook pages and Reddit threads. Uh, Yes, they are number one sources, (laughs) Facebook pages and Reddit threads. (laughs) You know Um, it. But yeah, I could see how this would catch like wildfire on those platforms and people would be way into it. I think it's fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. stuff. But but yeah, that story that we talked about at the beginning of the episode about little Ryan Hammond's. And we told you that there are lots of children like Ryan that have these experiences. And uh, so for more than 45 years, the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies has had a team collect information and share stories from people who claim to recount their past lives like Ryan. And this team is led by Professor Jim Tucker. The team has gathered more than 2,500 documented cases of children allegedly recalling past memories or details of former lives. Close to 75% of these cases have attached a real person from the past to a child's recollection. Nearly 20% of the children involved in these cases share physical attributes similar to those that they're linked to. Children participating in the UVA study typically started talking about their past lives around two or three years old, but stopped by the ages of six or seven. That's quite a, that's quite a trick of time. Yeah, it's a few years that you're chirping away about this past life. (laughs) Yeah. And that you're thinking of yourself as this person and 
I mean, I know I've heard stories that afterwards they don't really remember it. We'll get into that, but I'd be like, can we watch Ninja Turtles or something instead? Yeah. Like, stop being serious for a second about your old Hollywood fame. Okay. You didn't make it. You were an extra. I'm sorry. (laughs) You were an extra. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Oh, geez. Also, 70% of these children reported their counterparts died violent or unexpected deaths. And about 73% of those those deaths were males. These statistics chillingly line up with those of the general population, too. But despite his findings, Dr. Jim Tucker still receives pushback and questions about how this could be possible. He theorizes that consciousness could be considered a separate existence than a physical reality. In an interview with NPR, Dr. Tucker cites Max Planck, the father of quantum theory. Planck viewed consciousness as something that matter was derived from, meaning that consciousness is separate from the physical brain. It attaches to a brain to survive and could continue after that particular brain and body passed on. Mm. Okay, so he's saying that like, yes, there's matter involved, but the consciousness is not uh, this kind of tangible, you know, molecular thing that our bodies are made up of. I think this is closely to what... I am, at least as I grow and learn and figure out what I believe in life, this makes a lot of sense to me personally. Well, (laughs) I'm glad that it does to you, Jess, because my brain just goes, oh, this is like the dust from his dark materials. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my movie-addled brain does. But uh, yeah, there's still a wealth of skepticism toward reincarnation. It tends to fall in the parapsychology category, which is a discipline that's fairly stigmatized unless you're a ghostbuster. (laughs) scientifically we have no way to verify that it is actually happening like you can't there's no evidence that someone's been reincarnated beyond conjecture or anecdotal evidence of someone remembering something Um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to kids remembering details about past lives some speculate that this is information that they unknowingly or subconsciously viewed and absorbed which is called cryptomnesia there's also a suspicion that the child's parents could be feeding them information And other scholars and researchers posit that a belief in reincarnation could be a product of confirmation bias. And this kind of reminds me of the episode that we did where I talked about the woman that was uh, diagnosed as having a tumor because she had voices that were talking to her. Mm -hmm. And some of the skepticism was, well, maybe she subconsciously, she knew that she was sick, her body knew it was sick, and her brain was subconsciously gathering information about like, hospitals in the area mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. oh if it saw an, if it saw an article about brain cancer it was you know she was her subconscious was retaining that information better i i could see a world where some of this is psychosomatic or it is some kind of nurturing that we don't entirely realize but then i'm sure that there are details that just still don't make sense you know no 100% like you can call it you know, bringing the the tumor lady up. Um, oh, the tumor was speaking to her. But whether it's psychosomatic or not, like something was happening, wh- whether it was just like her body trying to protect her in the way of like, hey, you got something going on inside. Please help us and go to a hospital. Like, I don't know. It worked. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> you know, like, I think we we look to, OK, what's the realistic answer for this? But you know, we live in a world where we put liquid into big machines and then drive them around. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like what the, if you think about it, everything is kind of magic in our world. Even the practical scientific things, it's like a computer microchip is still mind boggling. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, but but yeah, just there is this skepticism, right? For sure, for sure. And basically, if those children spout a few small details that line up, we are inclined to believe them if we wish reincarnation to be real. Um, I think we talked about this even in our second episode, sleep paralysis with like cultural priming, similar to mm-hmm. like, if you want it to be real, it's real. Yeah. And even if the details are common or guessable because we want to believe in reincarnation, it becomes fact. Christopher French, a professor of psychology at Goldsmiths, University of London, is fairly in this camp. He chalks it up to false memories that are unintentionally planted by parents or adults around the child. And there's more about human psychology actually in play than meets the eye. We should also mention the ties between reincarnation and the cognitive phenomenon known as deja vu. Super weird. Uh Uh-huh. Deja vu. We've all had it. It's this uncanny feeling that you've lived through an experience before. So like you go to a place and you're like, I feel like I've been here before, despite knowing that you haven't been there before. Or you met someone and you're like, I have this strange feeling that we've met before, but there's no possible way you could have. And all evidence points to the contrary. And there are a lot of people that believe that deja vu could be connected to reincarnation and the sensation could actually be us experiencing memories from past lives that are situationally triggered. So we we meet this person that maybe our souls knew one another in a past life and we had this feeling and it's like, okay, well, we did know. We, I, do, I do know you because I knew you in that other life. I love that. I, yeah. I love that. And, and that's the type of like, we're kind of using the word magic sometimes here of like, that'd be so cool if that were to really be mm-hmm. a thing. But what if I'm like having deja vu with my taco, my <laughs> breakfast taco? I'm just Don't like, eat oh, me, God. Jessica. We were friends. I know. I'm like, did I eat a taco back in the 1600s when I was in the in London? What? Did you invent a taco? <laughs> Maybe I did there's a, a There's a beautiful medieval tapestry from the from the Middle Ages <laughs> hanging in a castle somewhere. And it's a, it's a, comely brunette who's she's holding <laughs> what looks like a a wheat product that it's it's ro- rolled up and has you know cow meat inside of it <laughs> and it's you <laughs> having invented and i the take taco. some vegetables from the garden and i shove them in this yeah yeah oh god this okay yes cool yeah so deja vu is fun as a concept but there are also we can't get into them today but there are a bunch of scientific theories that also attempt to explain deja vu as kind of like brain glitches too. Which is also, again, super interesting and fascinating in itself. Like it's like the matrix or something. (laughs) But the idea of being reborn and living again is a fairly appealing one, understandably so. And there's a strong public fascination with the concept. A 2018 Pew Research Center poll found that 33% of adults in the United States believe in reincarnation. Reincarnation is the subject of books and movies and other media. The very wholesome, very tear-inducing 2017 film A Dog's Purpose follows a dog through his many different breeds and life forms as he attempts to reunite with his favorite Mm. owner. God, I know. I know. I was on a plane once and... uh, kind of across from me in the aisle were these two teenage boys and one of them put on a dog's purpose and they were like, you know, I I, I don't want to buy into like toxic masculine stereotypes, but like they're kind of like big guys and, but they were Hmm. bawling. One of them was watching it and the other was just watching over his shoulder and they were both bawling watching a dog's purpose. And I was like, I will never watch this movie in my life. I can't, I can't watch dog movies after I think it was my dog Skip. 
that was an old one, mm-hmm. but I will, I just refuse to because I anything dealing with animals, knowing that they die at some point, wrecks me. Yep. This reincarnation motif is also a big theme of the movie Cloud Atlas, mm-hmm. um, adapted from the book of the same name, which this is one of my like favorite movies because I am not a very romantic person, but I do think mm-hmm. that love that transcends like space and time and bonds that can't be broken. I I think that's all very um romantic. And all of the characters in the movie, they share the same comet-shaped birthmark. Mm -hmm. And that's like this indication that they are essentially like souls reborn. And then they have actors portraying different characters in different time periods to kind of like visually hit this point home. Yeah. And of course, like naturally because of, you know, Hinduism, uh, Bollywood cinema has a lot of reincarnation theming in it too. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I... yeah, I love movies like that. Like, um, I didn't know that fountain. that was one of your favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I just think it's like, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh, Jess, I think you. Would I'm think sure I. It's, it's quite I cool. probably. Well, and yep. it's it's Wachowskis, and you're a big Matrix yes, fan, I love, so yes. I think it yes. would probably appeal to you in that sense. Uh huh. There's a lot about reincarnation conceptually that I really like, and I think is really um, positive and a great perspective to think about the world and our place in it. Yes on this existential plane. But I, again, I'm, I'm with any religion. It's tough for me to, to like wholeheartedly commit to it. But the stories of, of past lives are very interesting. I like reading mm-hmm. them and hearing about them. And if you're listening to this and you or anyone that you know has experienced glimpses into past lives or strange memories that you can't quite place or explain, let us know because we are like really interested and curious about this stuff. And uh, you can connect with us on social media to do that at 30 Morbid Minutes on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Jessica Vasami, at Elise Willems. Mm-hmm. And uh, as per usual, we have some fun merch at the RT store. We have uh, two shirts, actually three, depending if uh, there's one black, one white in the Curiosity Cabinet shirt. And then we have stickers as well. Mm-hmm. Go check those out. Yeah. Well... We've learned a lot about reincarnation today, and we can't really say one way or the, or the other. But mm-hmm. I do think if I go, there's still a chance I come back. Baby Jessica. <laughs> Baby Jessica, Elise. Don't do this to me. Please. <laughs> I'm doing it for us. Is it for us? Yeah, we can always be together, Jess. All right. I'll be together forever with you. That's fine. I accept it. Yes. Uh, I am going to need my diaper changed a lot. Heads oh. up. No, <laughs> don't do this to me. Uh, FY, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> FY, FYI. FYI, <laughs> FYI.